If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with us to the Gospel of John, chapter 9. <coughs> we'll read verses 1 through 11. <coughs> I got water, I do. I just, there's a hickey right there. <coughs> I need to just sing, hark the herald angels sing and get it out. One Sunday, I always had water. And I, I got to where I needed a, a drink, and I reached down and I turned it up, and somebody had put Mountain Dew in the cup. <laughs> whoo, whoo. I, I felt like I'd go another round. <laughs> All right. Pay attention to God's word because it has spoken to my heart. This is what he says. And as Jesus passed by, you know, I got to thinking about that. When has Jesus passed by you or me? Think about it. When has he passed by, spoke to you, felt his presence? He saw a man who was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? Listen to this, y'all. Who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest, made visible, made where you could see it in him. Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. Because the night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, he says, I am the light of the world. And he has given us that charge also. He said, you are the light of the world. Verse 6 says, and when he had thus spoken, he spit on the ground and made clay of the spittle and anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay, with the clay, and said unto him, go. Wash in the pool of Siloam, which is, by interpretation, sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and they who before had seen him that he was blind, said, Is this not he that sat and begged? Some said, Well, I don't know. He, it looks like him. Others said, Well, I don't know. But then I love what he said. I'm he. I'm the one. I was blind, but look at me now. I see you. Therefore, and a therefore, therefore, because of what has just taken place, a miracle. They said unto him, how are thine eyes opened? And he answered and said, a man who's called Jesus made clay anointed my eyes and said unto me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received my sight. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I'm not here to impress anybody, but God, I want your holy word. I want it to impress upon my heart. So heavy, Lord, and I pray that as I open my mouth, 
your words would protrude out of my mouth into the hearts and the lives and the souls of those who are under the sound of my voice. Lord, I realize and I know I am nothing without you, but I also know that I can do all things through you. Bless your holy word in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Commitment is almost a thing of the past. And I think about the Christian life and I think about how long that I have been trying to live for the Lord. Uh, soon be to 73 and I think back in my teenage years how I was in church. I was in church regularly. I worked a job at one time that on Wednesday night I just had time to drive from Greenville to Piercetown and to walk through the doors of Friendship Baptist Church. I was a mechanic in those days and I had grease on my clothes and but I, I stopped by because I didn't have time to go home and take a bath and clean up. Commitment. I don't know any other way. It bothers me if I don't stay committed, okay? And it is tough to keep your feet and your mind and your soul to the, to the grinding wheel because the grinding wheel of this life is rough. If you put a piece of metal to a grinding wheel, you're going to get sparks. And those sparks can be dangerous. And so we must keep our feet to the fire. We must remain committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. I've talked about it. I've preached about it. I've tried to live before you guys about it. And all I'm asking is that you do what Jesus said do. Go wherever he asks you to go. Come, be a part of what he's doing. Jesus said, forsake all of what he told his boys. Forsake all and follow me. I want you to follow me. Commitment is, is a, an obligation to anything. Okay, listen. Some of us are obligated to our job. Rightfully so. The Bible said, if you don't work, you shall not eat. Some of us are obligated to our hobbies. I love hobbies. I do a few. Some of us are obligated to our families. Some of us are obligated to our church. But all of us need to be obligated to the call of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have been saved, you have been called. Yo, yo, listen, brother and sister, you have been called to the throne of God every day to pray and to read his word and then do what he told the old boy that was born blind, go, go. I wish that we were more committed here. Let's look around you. We got a good crowd here for summer. Hey, I, as your pastor, I have been well pleased with the attendance for this summer. Vacation, hey, it's vacation time. I want you to take a vacation. I want you to be gone. I want you to find another church to listen to the pastor and either appreciate or depreciate the one you got, okay? It's okay to go to another restaurant and eat. Hello? You might find a different waitress who's much nicer, who's much prettier, and you'll go back. 
please, I want you to come. What is commitment as far as a Christian goes? I believe it begins with compassion. When I think about commitment, I think about a pledge. I think about a binding that, that I have with the Lord Jesus that he has with me. Now, we don't always show it, no. You know, sometimes we don't have a smile on our face because of, of burdens that hinders us because of pain in our own body. And a lot of things keeps us from smiling. But listen, it takes less muscles to smile than it does to frown. And I think about commitment, first of all. What is commitment? Commitment is seeing what God wants you to see. I look at verse 1 there, and Jesus passed by and he saw. He saw. He saw man. Um, <clears throat> and I think about our own eyes when we're out in public or wherever we are, what do we see? Listen, I can't help it. I don't want to help it. No matter where I am, whether it's at the gas pump, whether it's at Dollar General or, or what's that green, what is it? Dollar, green dollar or something other. What's it called? Huh? Dollar Tree. I knew it had something with a dollar. It's green. I know that. But I think about people. That a lot of them is lost. And when I look at people at the gas station or at the attendant or whatever, I think, are they lost or are they saved? The only way I can know is simply ask them. But Jesus saw man. What do you see? I see lost people in need of a savior. I see the hungry in need of a meal. And I love to buy food for people. I love to buy food for people. I'm not expecting anything back. I just love to do it. But sad to say that some of these out there, they're not wanting food. They may say, hungry, we'll work. Hey, son, get in the truck here. I'll take you and feed you and work you. An old boy took advantage of us one time. He uh, came down and asked me, did I have some work for him to do? I said, sure. And I told him what I wanted him to do. He worked five minutes. He said, boss, man, I can't take it. I'm going home. I said, okay. So he went, he left. You know where he went? He went to the parsonages, which we lived in at that time, and knocked on the door, and Lynn came to the door, and he said, I've been working for your husband, and uh, said he didn't have money to pay me and told me to stop by here and get the money. And, and, said, and she said, well, how much does he owe you? Uh, he said, $20. And so she gave him the money. Didn't take long. The fire got spreading. I found out about it. I got in my truck, and I drove to where he lived. His daddy was sitting on the porch. I said, where's so-and-so? He said, well, he's over yonder to please you. I drove to the please you. Went in there, asked for him. They said he just left here. Where did he go? He went to the washerette on the south side of town. I went to the washerette. He wasn't there either. <laughs> Somebody in there said, oh, he's over at so-and-so's house. I drove up over there, found him. Called his name. I said, come here. Get in this truck. <laughs> he got in the truck, and we started down the road. He said, boss man, you going to shoot me? I said any other man would shoot you and leave you dead because you've lied and you took advantage of my wife. But I said, I'm not going to do that today. We drove back to where we were. 
and I worked literally the slop out of him. He poured sweat. Hey, I was right there pouring sweat too. Boss man, I gotta take a break. I said, when I take a break, you take a break. We're gonna work. We worked and we worked and we worked and we got through. I said, get in the truck. I'm gonna take you home. We'll feed you. We fed him. Started on the way home. I said, you know, you, you've already got $20 of my money and I owe you $30. So you got 20, here's 10, that'll make up for it. Do you agree? He said, yes sir, yes sir. I said, okay, next time you see this old blue truck rambling down through the town of Seneca, don't throw a rock, you just tell your buddies, that's a good man going there. <laughs> you know, the hungry, they're out there, they're holding their signs up. You know what I think about? How much effort does it take to stand there all day doing this, walking over here, the sun is 95 plus, or it's a pouring down rain, or it's 30 degrees, why don't you just go somewhere and say, hey, I need a job. My goodness. Well, I see the lost. I, I see the hungry, but I also see the backslidden. You know, it troubles me as a pastor. I don't mind telling you, it troubles me when I look at my deacon book and I see names and outside there it says inactive and I look how old they are and I'm thinking they know better. Where are they? Why don't they come to God's house? Because they're not committed, that's why. They're not committed. It just bothers me, y'all. I'm sorry. Land has said, you're just going to have to let it go. I ain't going to let it go, okay? It was said of a former church member said, well, we, we do this and that, but Kenny held our feet to the fire. And that's my job, that's my, my position, that to call you to come alongside and let's seek the lost and seek the hungry and seek the backslidden. Well, when Jesus looked, the Bible says he saw. Commitment is not only what we see, but what we hear. We see there what, they, what was heard in verse two, and his disciples said unto him, Master, who, who done the sin in here? That old boy can't see a lick. Did he sin or did his parents sin? See, they, they heard. They were listening. They were, they were listening to what was being said. You know, they heard some good things. Jesus said, hey, he didn't sin to cause him to be blind. His parents didn't sin to keep, keep, cause him to go blind. But he was born blind that the spirit of God might be lifted up, that God might be exalted when he receives his sight. A miracle is about to take place. You see, we think about good things, the lost being saved, the hunger being fed, the backslidden being reclaimed. I was talking to one of our church members and asking them, begging them to come back. And you know what he said? He said, preacher, we've been gone so long, we're too embarrassed to come back. Too embarrassed. Hey, I'm not the only one supposed to be seeking these backslidden sheep. You are. You are. You know them. They used to be in your Sunday school class. They used to serve with you as a deacon. They used to sit with you on the pew. They used to sing with you. What are you doing about those who have gone out and just quit coming? Maybe they are too embarrassed to come back. So, you know, we hear. We hear the good things. But also we hear the bad things. 
You can take this any way you want to. I'm going to take it like I feel it according to God's holy word. The bad things that we see in our society today is drinking alcohol. It is the end thing to do. Well, preacher, I have a beer every night. That surely can't hurt anything. No, it don't hurt anything. But what's it going to do for you? If one becomes two, if two becomes three and four and five, and first thing you know, you're buying that, what they call a suitcase. My soul, why? Well, and taking drugs. Hey, it's the end thing, man. It makes me feel so good. Let me tell you something. When I go to the doctor and I have to be put to sleep, that's a feel good. Let me alone. Let me sleep it out. But if I have a responsibility, don't give me something that's going to cause me not to do right and think right and talk right. But our society, that's where it's going. That's where it is. And it's constantly, constantly, oh, it's big money. Sure it is. Another thing, sex outside of marriage. What good is that? Listen, all three of these, alcohol, drugs, sex outside of marriage, according to the Bible, is sin. And Bible says sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Oh, well, I can control it. I, I, I drink one beer. It's not going to hurt anything. Uh, I'll smoke a joint. It, you know, hey, it can't hurt anything. It makes me feel good. Man, makes me sleep so good. Well, I just got enticed and, uh, you know, I had sex and there it is. Let me tell you, it will bring forth death. You cannot play with that stuff, y'all. I had a granddaddy who was an alcoholic. My daddy, he was bad to drink in my early years. Thank God he quit. I tell my boys, I said, listen, boys. Your daddy has no idea what a beer tastes like. I don't plan to taste of it to see what it tastes like. Alcohol, I know nothing about. And I said, boys, I'm going to tell you, it runs in the family. Don't think you can take one little drink and socially and, and get by because that one little drink might lead to a whole bunch of drinking. And I know that some of you, see, you are, you've been dry a long time, and I praise God for that. And you need to praise God that, that you've been dry and sober because you can talk to an alcoholic because you have been there. I can't do it. I can't talk to this person who drinks and does drugs and, and the sex outside of marriage. But I do know this. All three of them brings consequences. You and I will reap what we sow. That's what the Bible says. Well, this commitment thing. Are we seeing what God wants us to see? Are we hearing what God wants us to hear? But verses three and four, are we feeling what God wants us to feel? Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made visible in him. I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, he said, for the night cometh when no man can work. The feelings of others. Let me ask you a question. Do you say things to hurt people's feelings? If you do, you just need to stop. 
And if you have, you need to go and say, I'm sorry. I said what I said. How about, have you ever been hungry? You want to just buy somebody a meal? I'll be honest with you, I've never been hungry to the point that I, like I've heard people say, I'm starving to death. <laughs> no, I've never felt starvation. Oh, I've been hungry. I don't know, yesterday, yesterday seemed to be a different day. I was trying to help this couple who just does not have hardly anything. I was trying to help them. I got up, I, I drank me a glass of milk, I drank some juice, um, I ate one piece of toast, and I went at it. I didn't eat anything else till about 7 o'clock last night. I wasn't even hungry. I don't know what, where my mind was. I, my mind was, I do know it was on helping them um, to, 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 so they could have food, uh, water. Uh, you know, it, it, I don't know what it is to be hungry, but there are people who are seriously hungry. And I will feed them, and then I will work them, okay? That's in order. You feed them, and then you work them, and that way you can witness to them. How about the homeless? Well, I'm not sure about the homeless in our world today, whether that's a lifestyle they have chosen, or they just simply can't help it. But you know, I think about those people who were in the paths of fires and lost everything. I think about those people who were in the paths of floods and lost everything. Those people are homeless. Not by choice. They're homeless. And they need our prayers. They need our help. So there are some out there who are uh, legitimate. But you know, when you, bring, when you bring the hurts to God and say, I'm sorry, let me tell that person I'm sorry. When you go and you feed the hungry and you help the homeless, listen, let me tell you what it'll do for your life. It will bring harmony to your life. It'll bring harmony. Because Jesus said, hey, this old boy didn't sin, his parents didn't sin, but he was born that way that I might give him his sight back and that God might be glorified. And it was a miracle. All right. Commitment. Hearing, seeing, feeling. But what about touching? What God wants us to touch. What does he look at verse 6? And when he had thus spoken, <clears throat> excuse me, he spit on the ground and made clay of the spittle and anointed the man's, the, the eyes of the blind man with clay. He touched him. I mean, I can just see him just, you know, putting it on there and smoothing it out where it would stay. Touching. Are you touching the lost? Are you touching the hungry? Are you touching the backslidden? What, do, what God doesn't want us to touch is those three things I talked about earlier. Drugs, alcohol, sex outside of marriage. Don't you think you're hiding from anybody because you're not hiding from God. And it's a sad day when a couple can't get along and so they begin to go with somebody else because somebody else listens to them. And first thing you know, they have sex together. And first thing you know, it's possible that they could become pregnant. Then they end up with an unwanted baby. You see, sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. And, and uh, last of all, um, Commitment is going where Jesus says to go.
Verse 7. He said unto the blind man, I want you to go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation, sent. Bible says he went his way, therefore, and washed, and came seeing. You see, how committed are we? Jesus says here, let me do this for you, and then this is what I want you to do. You know, the Lord has saved me. By his grace, I've been saved. And now he wants me to go and to go and to share. It's an everyday thing. It's a constant thing that we ought to be going and sharing with those that we come in contact with. Just love people. That's what Jesus did. He said, I want to let my light shine because there's going to come a day when a man can't work anymore. Are we looking? Are we listening? Are we reaching? Touching? Are we going? If you're lost this morning, you need to be touched by the Lord. I can't save you, but the Lord can. And it's a matter of making it public. It's a matter of just coming forward and say, hey, I want to be saved. Or it's a matter of coming forward and say, hey, I've been saved and I want to be baptized. It's a matter of coming forward and saying, I want to be saved. <clears throat> I want to be baptized. And I want to join the church. The Bible talks about that, teaches that, becoming a part of a local church that teaches and preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, hey, forgive me when I, if I cease to do that. I hope that God will put out this candlestick that will blow his light out that it'll never come back if I cease to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because that's what I've been called to do, okay? To seek the lost, feed the hungry, help the homeless, call the backslidden back, beg them to come back. Statistics show that it takes no less than 25 visits to win one lost person to Jesus. That's a lot of visiting. You can't give up on one or two visits. I've heard people say, oh, I visited them and they ain't gonna come. How many times did you go? Well, I didn't really go to the house. I saw them at the filling station. Go to where they live. Sit down in, in their living room if they will allow you to. Sit on the porch with them. Take them out to eat. Do something to let them know, hey, you care. I love what the Bible says in that scripture there. He walked out there, washed that mud off and came seeing, and they said, hey, is that, ain't that old boy sitting down there begging? Well, I don't know. He looked like him. Yang, 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 back and forth. And he said, hey, this is me. I was blind. Now I see. Who, who done that? All I know is a man called Jesus. Put mud on my eyes, okay? If I get, y'all gonna put mud on my eyes, you better be Jesus, all right? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> he put mud on my eyes and I went and washed and now I come see and it's me. Well, I didn't read the rest of that story. Y'all to go back and read the rest of that story. They even went to the parrot and said, hey, is this your boy? <laughs> Was he born blind? Well, by what measure is he seeing now? They said, hey, don't ask us. Ask him. He's of age. 
Let him tell you. Folk, I love you. I just want us to be more committed. More committed. Do the best we can with what we have before God takes it away because he has truly blessed us here at First Baptist. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the privilege to call you our Father. Thank you for the privilege to share your word today. Lord, thank you for this story, a man born blind, and you healed him. You gave him his sight back. Lord, I just pray that you'd help us to see and to hear and to feel and to touch what you want us to without any hesitation. Lord, I thank you and I love you for all you do for us. Thank you for this great church. Lord, be with our guests in the house today. You know why they're here. But Lord, I pray most of all for any person in this room right now who's lost. Lord, help them to realize that being lost means hell forever. Help them, Lord Jesus, to come and invite you into their heart. In Jesus' name, amen.